This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Mind Your Own Podcast with Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin. Where we stick to sports, except when we're not. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Own Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Sasha. And it is another week. We are, I don't know if anyone's into astrology or any <laughs> anything like that, but we are officially in like what is called, Mercury is officially in retrograde. So again, if you are into astrology and all of that, basically what that means in very like basic terms that like I even can understand is that the universe is a little off kilter right now. It is for like essentially the next three weeks. So typically when Mercury is in retrograde, things like communication breaks down. It could mm. be electronics breaking convenient that iPhone just released its new, everything <laughs> new right around this time. They know what yeah. they're doing. Um, but you might find yourself having um, misunderstandings, whether that's professionally, personally. Uh, so Long story short, if you are finding yourself over the next three weeks having any kind of uh, communication issues, just know you're not alone. Uh, yeah. Show yourself some grace. I think October 18th is when this final final chapter of Mercury in retrograde for 2021, because there's three instances of it this year. October 18th is when it is done for the rest of the year. So at least it's not falling over the holidays. Oh, yeah, no kidding. I uh, I actually... <laughs> Like mid last week, I just fell off every, like nothing was working for me at all. <laughs> and so I had post, I deleted it because, you know, whatever, that's what I do. <laughs> but uh, I was like, I'm not really into like the whole astrology thing, but all I have to say is Mercury, your girlfriend, woof, because <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I'm yes. better now, but last week was a uh, challenging <laughs> yeah. And like, so you might've been feeling it just even before because it technically when it, I think September 27th was the official start date, but I'm always kind of, I'm always kind of of the belief that like anytime I, I, I am an astrology person to a degree. Mm -hmm. Um, there are some parts where I'm like, yeah, so this has actually been really interesting. Sorry. Not what we were going to talk about today, but <laughs> if anyone's curious, um, I, I've kind of spent some time asking people I like that are really into astrology. Like, what do I need to know? And like, mm -hmm. there are like different signs. Like you have a, uh, like you have your like rising sign, you have your sun sign, like there are different things. So like when you're reading your astrology and you're like, wow, this doesn't sound like me at all, or this isn't cause like, um, I'm a Libra by like my birth date, but like a lot of the things that like, I, I definitely am like, I like to see balance. I like to see equality, like fairness. I like to keep the peace, but there are certain parts of um, the Libra personality that don't match me a hundred percent. And I've always been told like, that's okay. Because like you have these other signs that like affect yeah. different parts of your being. And it's actually really interesting. And so if you're in, if you're into that kind of thing, I do think, 
I do think the universe does have some like just general effect on our everyday, like when, you know, the weather changes and yeah. suddenly you start to feel like congestion in your head, or you might feel pressure. The universe does just like have its effects. So like, if you are feeling a little like out of sorts right now, it's okay. It's, yeah. it's really okay. <laughs> I, uh, I always like when I, I used to read my um, horoscope, like all the time, just cause it was like in the paper or whatever, but then like, I'd start to think, well, that many people act the same exact way that I do because we're all under the same sign. Like, whoa, <laughs> kind of crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. We it's, it's something that I'm like, I'm into, I, it, like I said, it's kind of at the same time, like I try to be hesitant with like not reading too much and everything. Yeah. I think it's really easy. And you know, I think it's really easy to kind of seek out things that like kind of like explain oh, why we are yeah. the way we are. <laughs> so I, I try to be mindful of that, not like make something necessarily out of nothing, but it yeah. is interesting. So for sure. Before we turn this into an astrology podcast, um, Sasha, I have to ask you, you just ran market to market. How did it go? Okay. So I <laughs> it was a bumpy ride to get to the start. Um, we originally started with eight runners and then okay. one person dropped off and then 36 hours before race time, another person dropped off. So I was oh, prepared no. to run three times and ended up having to run four. Oh no. Um but I had a freaking blast. Like it's a long day, but it didn't seem that long because you're constantly moving or you're, you're stretching or you're mentally preparing for the next stage that you have to run. Um, I actually surprised myself. Um, typically like in any training that I've been doing, cause I'm also running the Habsy next month. Um, I live in a really, really hilly area of town in Omaha. Um, it's literally hills, regardless of what direction you go or where you're at. Um, and so that like mentally was challenging for me. And I was running like 10, 15 miles, like 10 minute miles, I should say. <laughs> um, wow. And I was frustrated because I know I can run faster than that. And I ended up actually, I was in the nines. I actually broke nine on my second nice. leg. Um, but then by that time I had to run for the fourth time, my legs were led and I was just mentally spent. Um, it's a lot, but for only having six people running, um, we finished top 100 oh, wow. <laughs> out Good of like you. 574 total teams. Um, and we oh, finished, wow. I didn't realize they have that many teams. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. we we finished in under 11 hours as a team. Um, it was just an absolute blast and we're already planning next year. Like I really wasn't, I didn't know what to expect, but I'm pleasantly was pleasantly surprised at how much fun it was. I have always wanted to do market to market, but it always falls on a Husker away game. So I've mm. never been able to do it, but one, one year, maybe it'll fall. I don't know. Maybe it'll fall on a bye week I think they do it in, I think they do it purposely because then they don't have to worry about any kind of game day, anything, which right. is totally fine. Um, but like I said, if, if market to market ever wants to pick a bye weekend, yeah, I'm there. I would love to, I would love it. It would be fun. I would have totally joined you, but I was in Michigan. So yeah. Yeah. Which but good job. Congratulations. Yeah. That was, it was so much fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to next year already, <laughs> which I, I didn't think I was going to say good job for your team. I loved how prepared your team was too. I, I was following a little bit 
of like Sadie was keeping everyone updated um, on Instagram. And I, I love how different teams approach it because your team definitely approached it. Like we're in this, we mean business. Mm-hmm. And I like, so she's showing like all of the different snacks and food and um, my sorry to everyone who's playing the drinking game. You can drink now because my computer's about to take flight. So if you hear a very like nice little hum in the background, that's what it's happening. I don't, I'm not even touching my computer. I don't even know what it wants. It is how it's mercury and retrograde. I don't know what you you want. (laughs) Um, But then I saw somebody else post and they like had like only a cooler of beer. And I'm like, you're not going to be feeling good after 12. Oh my gosh, dude. I can't even imagine like we were joking at the end, like next time we'll, we'll have drinks while we're running. I'm like, no, I'm not going to also I'm super competitive. And like, I didn't obviously expect to, that our team was going to finish that high. I was the slowest runner on our team. Um, (laughs) but, uh, there's no way like just a a gut full of beer. No, no, no. (laughs) Like there's certain races that I've seen where it's like, it's intended to be like, they, Mm -hmm. they do it where like you run halfway to like a spot where they serve beer and you hang out for a while and then you run back. But like, it's kind of like the taco ride. The leg back is usually not intended to be like this intense. Um, It's more like probably a lot of people wobbling and then you're really intense people who are somehow like beyond explanation that are able to drink and then go for a nice little jog um but i mean to do that for like 12 hours knowing that you're i wouldn't be able i would have that i can feel the migraine that i would have by the end of that day (laughs) yeah i that uh the last leg i had to run and there's another gentleman who ran with us um chris whitney who actually ran ms run the us which is like A, basically a relay, but he ran 166 miles in 10 days. And even on his fourth leg, he's like, I had to walk. And the only thing I wanted that day was to not walk any part of what I was running. And I managed to do that. But my last leg was like 10 minutes, 10 yeah. minute miles because my legs were just lead. I can't imagine yeah. doing that and being slightly intoxicated or having had a beer. <laughs> yes. I think that's the hard part with running too, is like, I've always felt like when I've run half marathons, like once you stop getting yourself started again is one of the most difficult pieces. Like, honestly, yeah. if you go, you just have to keep going. So I think yep. that has to be the most mentally challenging part of market to market is the fact that you take breaks, which you think in your mind is a good thing, which mm-hmm. it is, but like you're your brain is like, okay, I've done this hard. I've exerted all of this energy. And you're like, all right, let's go do it again. And your, your brain is telling your body, no, thank you. <laughs> we have already yeah. done this. Um, we're fine. So I think it's the stopping and then starting again. That is such a, like a mental endurance that people don't realize. Like it's not yeah. a, it's not a like, well, Hey, I've gotten the last hour off. It's like, no, honestly, not moving for that last hour is probably actually the hardest part. Yeah. And it was like, well, we only had six people. So we had to like hurry up and get to the next exchange point and like trying to, then you're, you know, at the next exchange point and you're hurriedly trying to stretch because if you don't stretch, your legs might fall off. Um, it's, no, it, it was a great experience. And, and if, if people are into running, I very strongly suggest at least doing one. Yeah. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Good job. Um, your whole team. It was fun to follow along. I appreciated Sadie's updates throughout the day, but yeah, that was a lot of fun to, um, kind of live vicariously because I was waiting for a night game to start. So I was just sitting and waiting and 
observing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, before we just only talk about market to market and astrology, which we could totally do. And some of you would be totally into it, which I, I appreciate. Um, I actually did send Sasha something. Now I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, I was on Greg Smith's straight up breakdown podcast this week, and this was a topic he wanted to get to, but as this will shock, shock, absolutely none of you. I went on a tangent about, gymnastics specifically (laughs) and completely derailed his like timeline for this podcast of like what we were going to talk about. So there was one piece of it that he was like, I wanted to talk about, we didn't get to. So I'm like, good news. I'm stealing it for the (laughs) mind your own podcast this week. So that is like, I have to give credit to Greg, go listen to the straight up breakdown podcast, not just because I'm on it this week, but always listen to it. He, um, he gets real with a lot of things that are going on in sports, not just Nebraska sports related, but, you know, a variety of different things going on. So I what he had sent me is an article about um, let me go just double check like what because I kind of did my own digging in this a little mm-hmm. bit because I was like, I I've kind of, to be honest with you, have avoided not news like I don't think it's good to avoid news like I there's a. <laughs> I have so many thoughts going through my head <laughs> right now. So there are times where, okay, it, it is the, um, okay, I'm on track. <laughs> Told you lots of thoughts just happening in my head right now. My computer is um, going to explode. Like we are, we are just in full swing right now. <laughs> um, so he sent me a tweet that is on Bradley Beal. NBA player Bradley Beal. The tweet Mm. is from Quentin Mayo and it says, I would ask the question to those who are getting vaccinated. Why are you still getting COVID? That is a quote from Bradley Beal that Quentin Mayo (sighs) tweeted. So I went and got this story and this, this is what he wanted to talk about was kind of what Bradley had said, because we are getting close to basketball season, just Mm -hmm. so everyone knows, like we're getting close to basketball season. um, And that's hard to believe because it's already almost October, but we are. Um, so Bradley Beal is a guard for the Washington Wizards. I, and we'll link all of this in the show notes at hillvarsity.com if you want to go read any of these stories. He was asked about getting the COVID-19 vaccine, and he said he definitely thinks about it, but he doesn't feel any pressure to get it. And his quote is, I don't think you can pressure anybody into making a decision about their body or what they put into their body. We can have this discussion about a lot of different topics besides vaccines too. You don't necessarily force anybody or kind of say it's time for a vaccine. I think you kind of let people come into their own about it. If they do their research when they feel comfortable, they do it. I definitely think about it for sure with the guidelines that the league makes and everything, the protocols they're doing, it kind of makes it difficult on us to where they kind of force us in a way to want to get it. At the end of the day, I talk it over with my family and we make a decision about what's best for us. So then he was asked, continued the like whole question in exchange. And he basically then that quote that was in that tweet came in this next answer. I would like an explanation to people with vaccines. Why are people still getting COVID? If that is something that vaccinated individuals are supposed to be highly protected from, like it's a funny, like it's funny that it only reduces your chances of going to the hospital. It doesn't eliminate anybody from getting COVID, right? You can still get COVID and you can still pass it along with the vaccination, right? I am just asking the question. So what we have seen lately is um, 
a number of NBA players that have come forward and said something similar to what Beal is saying. I need mm-hmm. to do my research. I need to do my research. I, I don't understand um, why people who are vaccinated are still getting it. So, yes, if you are vaccinated, you are able to still contract COVID. You could still spread COVID, but the likelihood that you contract it and spread it is significantly reduced. Mm-hmm. And the likelihood of you having to go to the hospital or be seriously ill as a result is reduced. It's not impossible, but that is the case with any vaccine. So to just start here, I just have to say we have a fundamental misunderstanding of vaccinations in this country right now. Mm -hmm. And at some point we have to stop playing with kid gloves on this because I don't care anymore. What like the, I keep seeing all of these things that are like, we have to be respectful and I am all about respect, but at the same time, when it is when it is sharing fundamentally incorrect information for the sake of quote unquote research, we are not doing anyone any benefit. So here's the thing. I have never had chicken pox in my life, but I am inoculated for chicken pox. Mm -hmm. I had the chicken pox vaccine when I was in my like late childhood because I hadn't gotten chicken pox. I can still get chicken pox even as an adult. Like it is possible. I am vaccinated against it, but it is completely possible for me to get it. Just like I am potentially able to get meningitis because even though I am vaccinated against meningitis. Now we have eradicated certain illnesses that there are people who are out in this world right now trying to roll back mandates on for these vaccines from polio, measles, mumps, You all like you do not understand like that is a scary line of thinking. And I don't understand why we're playing into this any longer because it is it is one of those things where like I understand that there are some instances where somebody for for very personal reasons cannot get vaccinated. There are literal there are like literal religious exemptions or there are people who are going through cancer treatments and cannot get there are people who have things that are going on. Like when my mom was going through her cancer treatment, she couldn't get inoculated for things because that is, it would have been too detrimental to her, her body at that point. It then is on the rest of us to do our job to protect someone like her. So like, I get that there are reasons somebody might not be, but the fact that we are, have now gone so far past this, like misunderstanding of a vaccine and have now just jumped headfirst into this world of like, complete misinformation around it Mm -hmm. is scary. And it's even scarier when you have people who have legitimate platforms asking questions and putting doubt into people's minds and saying, well, I have done my research. You are not doing research. I'm sorry. A scientist reading an article. And when you're talking about something science-based is not doing research research, when you're talking about science, is something completely different. It's mm-hmm. physically being in a laboratory. It's it's physically testing it's writing scientific things. papers that are exactly. studied by other people. Like- yes. I actually saw uh, a TikTok explaining that. Like, I've done my research. I read this, this, and this. Okay. When you're talking about science, research is different. Yes, you can do your quote-unquote research by reading article after article, but unless you're physically testing theories in a scientific lab in a setting where this actually happens and you vet out 
different theories or different hypotheses, you're not doing research when it comes to science. No, I mean, <laughs> this is somebody like coming from, I am like a big advocate of like, don't get your news from just one source, yes. like always go in. So if you're, if you're only getting your news from CNN, you shouldn't be only getting your news from CNN. You should be honestly go find as independent of a news source as you can and start, start absorbing more. Like I, yeah. there, there's actually a graphic you can go look up online that tells you essentially where different outlets fall. And mm -hmm. like, if they're going to lean far left, if they're going to lean far right. And my, my thing that I always tell people is try to avoid the ones on the outskirts and find ones that are more toward the middle of that. So that way the yeah. information that you are reading tends to be less um, more balanced. It's more balanced. It's less biased by like different thinking Yeah. in like NPR typically falls close. Now it might go a little bit closer to the left, but not much. It's, mm -hmm. it's pretty, it's NPR is pretty close to like an independent, like, but the amount of times I hear people who say like NPR is like, um, basically like has an agenda. No, just because you don't agree with something doesn't give that, doesn't mean that that has an agenda. I just, okay. Right. My thing with misinformation and news, especially as somebody in the media, because I get, I get a lot, I get a lot tossed at me about mm -hmm. like, um, the media is out to get this, the media is out to get that. And it's like, honestly, not really. I mean, there are people like that, but like, honestly, I don't think we have a true understanding of like, sincere journalists are not out to get anyone. They're just mm -hmm. out to report factual information and we should want that as a public we should want that like somebody going and asking legitimately hard questions getting the answers but when it comes to this like this is this is this is where I'm at with stories like this because this is what the NBA is dealing with right now is mm -hmm. a number of players I've seen a number of these now where it's like player X questioning this player X saying like whatever and the frustrating part with someone like Bradley Beal is he literally had to have a 13 day pause when the wizards had an outbreak during the last season. He also was unable to participate in the Olympics with the United States basketball team because he was because of health and safety protocols. None of this changed his mind because he has, he has been, he has this idea in his mind that like, I'm doing my research, but reading articles and going and finding things that back up your viewpoint is not research. Like yep. I it was is just ju going to bring that up. Like that's the frustrating <laughs> part of most of these conversations is like, I understand going and finding articles, but going out and specifically finding articles or reading up on things because they fit the narrative that you already believe and not thinking outside of that or reading articles that are outside of that line of thinking is how partially how we got here. Yes. And honestly, at this point, um, if I were to offer a criticism of the media, the media needs to go harder on some of these. So like, mm -hmm. yes, in this article that ESPN put out, they did a fine job putting in their information. That's like, um, according to the CDC, uh, let us like basically fact check him in this, but here's the thing. It takes you almost like seven paragraphs to get to that. So by the time somebody gets that, they've probably there, there's a good they're chance somebody checked out. checked out. They opened it, they read it. They're like, Oh, good for Bradley Beal. They close the article and they're off to like live their life we have to, as a media, be better about just immediately presenting information in a way that is like the information in this article is not like, this is, this is missing. This is misinformation. And like, I understand shining a light on it. Okay. So this whole thing, and I sent Sasha this tweet and mm -hmm. 
my frustration with the entire thing is um, a total, like is one thing that we could spend a lot of time on, but I even told Sasha, I don't want to spend a ton of time on that because I think we could say a lot until we're blue in the face Mm. and it is what it is at this point. Um, But this tweet came from the Monday morning quarter black. Um, He tweeted Jonathan Isaac and Kyrie Irving have a sample size. So he's talking about people like Beal and others. So he's speaking about two other people. So here's his two tweets. Jonathan Isaac and Kyrie Irving have a sample size to investigate the effects of the vaccine. He quote unquote vaccines. It's called the WNBA. They somehow had 99% of their workforce vaccinated without complaints of bullying or religious exemptions or crusades for the unvaxxed. Just talk to them. You don't want to trust doctors or Dr. Fauci, whatever, but literally almost all of the WNBA is vaccinated. So if there's some concern, you have an entire sample to actually research and not some Instagram conspiracy feed or some nonsense trust in God bullshit. Yeah. And I'll link this article about it just it just was released within like the last week and a half about from Sports Illustrated about what we can learn from the WNBA's vaccination success. And my my point here is like we really need first and foremost just to listen to women, trust women. Mm -hmm. Um, Women are leading the WNBA leads in so many ways like the WNBA um, when it has come to social justice issues leads the way. Now, the NBA is actually disappointing me a little bit because the the WNBA has actually, in my opinion, as a league done pretty well as far as like how it's handled social justice issues and different Mm -hmm. things. But unfortunately, it feels like the WNBA is sort of looking at this one is now Brandon Beal's right. They have made it more difficult for, um, or excuse me, I said Brandon Beal, Bradley Beal, goodness um the w the nba has put things in place that are basically making the the players have to really think about getting the vaccine like there are certain restrictions as far as like you're not going to be able to practice in a certain like you're you're not going to be able to be in like team settings in certain environments you're subject to like testing I, i think daily i'd have to go look up what their like whole restrictions are but they're making it basically like if you are not going to get vaccinated we are going to quite literally make you jump through hoops at that point at that point you need to do something because they're making it so difficult that this is what's happening is you're having people like beal who are complaining openly about like i you know i need to do my research i'm feeling bullied i'm blah 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 blah, blah. and he didn't say that but other people have mm-hmm. the point is the wnba reached its level of success in this space through a player led campaign. Yes. So I'm just, I will link this sports illustrated article for everyone, but just so you know, it's coming from sports illustrated. Um, I'm going to totally butcher her last name. So I apologize in advance, but it comes from a reporter, Emma Bacalaria Bacalari. Um, she has a really actually like, she has a really cool last name and I'm sad that I'm completely just making it sound <laughs> awful. Um, but the whole story is great. It's worth a read. It is. So here's just the first part. Last winter, WNBA commissioner, Kathy Engelbert sat down to speak with the executive director of the players union, Terry Jackson, the COVID-19 vaccines would roll out to the general public by spring. And with the league season starting in May, both women knew that achieving a high vaccination rate among the players would be a priority. Engelbert asked Jackson what she thought the league could do to make that happen. And Jackson had an answer ready. Nothing. 
She knew that any vaccination effort would require a strong focus on player education and on streamlining basic logistics. But the most important ingredient by far would be trust. And for players who might already be skeptical about getting the shot, it would be much easier to build that trust if the conversation started as one among teammates, not as in a meeting, not as a meeting with an employer. What I said to Kathy was, you have to let me do this, Jackson recalls. We, PA staff, we know we had to do this. We know that it had to come purely from the Players Association because we are the players. We report to them and they trust us, period, the end. So that is what they did. They decided to go through a one-on-one outreach to players, engage concerns, understand what their thoughts were. Um, they created a open, shame-free space for people to ask questions in an environment that allowed for those answers to be to, to be fairly addressed. Mm-hmm. To not have what happened with Beal, because you're hearing me criticize him, and I'm sorry, he deserves that criticism. But he's asking a group of reporters in a public setting that is now going to go viral right. across the country tell me, like, help me understand this. Like, this is not, that is not how that needed to be addressed. The WNBA instead said, let's bring the players in one-on-one, let them have a shame-free environment to ask questions. They then, the league agreed to give the union the space to launch that effort without trying to duplicate it. And it worked. So I'm just now reading, like I said, Sports Illustrated. I I do not want to take away from their work. Please read this article. I'm going to read you this one last part. In June, the WNBA became the first major North American sports league to announce that it had reached near total vaccination among its players at 99%. This is, this is true. 100% is a long shot without mandating mm-hmm. it. But other leagues have approached the milestone in recent months, but none have gotten all the way there. The Major League Baseball is at 85%. Uh, NFL is at, the NFL is at 93% as of August. Um, it's above the national vaccination rate, which is around 55%. The NHL hopes to be around 98% by the time its season starts in October. The WNBA, though, remains the gold standard. Understanding they don't have as many players as Major League Baseball, they don't have as many players as the NFL, yes, but they are, I love this line, but the the WNBA is pioneering player-led approach to outreach. And that's the thing here. The WNBA from day one, has been about women leading the charge. I sent this piece of this article to Sasha because it stood out to me. Mm-hmm. In 2020, after the death of George Floyd, after the murder of George Floyd, I, he, and we saw an outcry of, of people wanting answers, not wanting to see what happened um, to George Floyd, happened to others, and calling for... <laughs> they're going to, this says it better than I can. I'm (laughs) so one last piece from this. Finally, for a league whose players had long focused on community activism and social justice with causes from voting rights to police brutality, they would make it clear that educating themselves about the vaccine was a part of that mission too. If black lives matter is what we are about, then if, and then in the public health space, this is a really, this is really big for black and brown communities. Jackson said of the message sent by the player leadership of the W the WNPP BPA citing that black Americans have been disproportionately hospitalized and died from COVID-19. We better be informed and we better, better be ready to show up. That's the thing here is the WNBA has, 
it has found a lot of new fans, but it has also found a lot of a lot of heat from people who suddenly claim that like they cared about the WNBA. And I'm going to tell you a secret right now. They didn't care about it before. It's just really convenient. It's the same as the person who's like, oh, I'm never buying a pair of Nikes again and hasn't yeah. bought a pair since 1995. Like, come on. Exactly. Um, the WNBA though is a leader in this space because these women, they get it. Right. These women are leading. They're not, reacting publicly and in a way that like they're sitting back and they're leading this together. They're understanding the values of the WNBA, but also understanding what they represent, the platform that they have, the people that are looking to them. And the fact is going back to that one tweet I read, all of these NBA players have the WNBA to look at but they're not looking to them. They're not looking at them yeah. as leaders. You got to start listening to women. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just serious. Like women are leaders. I have spent my whole life hearing people talk about how women are too emotional. They're too this, they're too that. Oh, we can't have a woman president because she'll hit the nuclear bomb button every five seconds. Like how many times have we heard this growing up that women are just reactionary? Yeah. We don't, we don't know how to lead. We're better served at home. Like we've heard all of this crap. Like y'all, like, you might be thinking like, I'm just saying stuff like, no, we have literally heard this our whole lives and I'm sick and tired of it. When women are literally the ones leading the freaking way. Yeah. They understand (laughs) that in order for people to have open lines of communication, obviously speaking about the WNBA and this situation in like specifically understanding how to appropriately communicate something that maybe a lot of people don't understand and figuring Mm -hmm. out a space that is safe enough for people to ask the questions that everybody's been wanting to ask in a, in a setting where it's literally there, there is no judgment. Just, we would love to educate you, please. What are your questions and having it be led by fellow players and fellow peers obviously is what made this work. Yes. And I mean, it's actually something that as, as a, as a person who's a, who's a major advocate for getting the vaccine, but not mm-hmm. just this vaccine, get vaccinated in general, go get right. your flu shot. Um, in fact, like most places you can get your flu shot and get like a $10 target gift card for just getting your flu shot, which you probably, if you have health insurance through your job, you probably get for free anyway. So go yeah. earn 10 bucks. Like I'm a big advocate for vaccinations and like, the thing that I will say that I have like been inspired by with the WNBA is how they've handled this, how they have led, how they've had those one-on-one conversations. Mm -hmm. We have talked about this on this podcast and I need to keep learning this for myself too. We have often said that like, sometimes the most impactful conversations you can have are the ones individually, the ones one-on-one where you can sit down with somebody and they can share in a judge-free zone their thoughts, their concerns, and you can have that conversation with them. I've actually thought about this a little bit for myself. I don't think I'm at a place where I, I I need to work on this personally. Like, you know, when we see people who say like, oh, people who are pro-vaccine need to be less judgmental and need to be less like aggressive, like to some degree, like, Yes. Like I, I don't need to be like attacking you like out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I'm not going to be cool with like you spreading misinformation. Like I'm not going to be right. like, I'm going to sit here and be patient with that. But no, I, I look at the WNBA and how they handled this. And I'm like, okay, what can I take from this? How can I be a better leader in the way that they handled it? Because they, they, they are leaders. Like they have, 
when it comes to things that not only matter to them, but matter to the good of our society, they handle it and they figure out how to handle it together. And I'm going to tell you, not every single woman in the WNBA probably agrees with each other on things. Like there are probably people who are like, yeah, I don't 100% agree with you on that or I don't agree on that. But somehow they manage to come together and be cohesive in their message. Right. I did like the line too that, um, and I can't, I'd have to go back and look in the article, but there was a um, woman who I think, I don't know if she was a scientist or a doctor, but she was brought in for one of these zoom sessions that they had set up, which by the way, they made it very, very convenient for the players to attend and be a part of these sessions. They made it, you know, they had three sessions a day and regardless of where the players were in the world, they had the opportunity to be able to check in and participate in these sessions, regardless Mm -hmm. of where they were, which I also think that's super important when you're trying to have conversations, educational conversations, you've got to meet people where they're at Mm -hmm. Um, and making it as, as easy as possible and as convenient as possible is super important as well. So I I also commend them um, for that, but one of the the doctors or scientists that they brought in to talk to these players and answer some of their questions was a mother. Um, she was a woman of color. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, th- there was like a list of five or 10 things that, that any given player in the league would be able to connect with on some, at some point, just by being who she was as a human being. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important too. Representation. Absolutely. Talk about it. I mean, yeah, they, they put out a call for like, what are your concerns? So when women started saying, what about my, what about my future fertility? Mm -hmm. Like, all right, let's invite an OBGYN to the conversation and sit down and have that person talk. What about me as a player? Okay. Let's bring in that person. Like they, they brought in people that represented not only them, but also represented the concerns. Mm -hmm. They had cameras on. Um, There was, I love that there was zero there was zero, like, there's it, no judgment. No, they, they spent there. And like the amount of like the women, the, the amount of um, experts who came to these calls and left going, like, that was great. Like it was, it was an earnest conversation. I felt like we, it was productive. I felt like we learned something. Um, it, it was, I, I, they talk about safe. It was a safe space. Um, that, that is like, my question is, what is the NBA doing? What is the NFL doing? What is Major League Baseball doing? What is the NHL doing? What is any of these other leagues doing? Even college football. Like I think about, okay, let's bring it back to Nebraska for a minute. I think about when Scott Frost said like, they're educating the team. They ultimately ended up bringing in experts for that. But see, this is the stuff where like, I think if a lot of people had looked at the WNBA earlier as an example and saw what they were doing, you could have gotten ahead of all of these things. Mm -hmm. You could have sat down and said, you know what, let's follow this lead. Let's follow their example. Let's ask our players, what are your concerns? What are the number one things that stand out? I have a gut feeling, especially in college athletics with, um, football teams, you would have probably heard a number of them say, how many days am I going to be out? Am I going to end up not feeling well? Am I not going to be able to train for a day or two? Because in their minds, like that lost time is maybe a lost starting spot. So like Mm -hmm. having somebody come in that can talk to that, like 
having these conversations before they become public conversations is really the key here. The WNBA got ahead of it. They brought in experts. They had the conversations. They let the players lead before it ever became a question. Right. There was support there. Yes. And, and so like, you know, they, it didn't, it didn't like, it's not like everyone ran out overnight and got them. They, they, it took time, but like, Mm -hmm. because they had that, it was player led as players saw others that they trusted um, going out and getting the vaccine. They felt comfortable. It was, I don't know. I love, I love how Engelbert, she didn't do an interview for this, but she released a statement for this article and said, from day one on the job as commissioner, we have been leading with a player first agenda and we highly value the relationship the league has with the WBPA and the W, the W, the WNBPA. I keep those letters just like, and WNBA players, our mutual success depends on a positive and collaborative relationship. And I am proud of and commend the players for their leadership in getting the vaccine and serving as role models across all of sports in society. And here's the funny part. The WNBPA's original goal in all of this wasn't even a high vaccination rate. They just wanted their, it was simply, I'm reading from the article, it was simply to encourage their players to feel empowered and educated about their choice. That's it. They wanted to encourage their players to feel empowered and educated about their choice. And here's what they didn't do. They didn't send people down a rabbit hole of Google links to do their Mm -hmm. research. They provided the experts to them because, you know, I don't know what has happened in the last year and a half, but I don't have a doctorate. I am not a scientist. I did not go to medical school. I have not spent my life researching things. I can't speak to any of this. I wouldn't even know how to begin research if I tried. Mm-hmm. I, I always will have a healthy dose of skepticism because I think that's just good as an adult to have a healthy dose of skepticism about things. But I trust science. I trust the people who have spent and dedicated their lives to things. I don't believe there's a conspiracy between hundreds and thousands of people and doctors and scientists trying to like there it's just it's it's i just simply trust the people who are experts Mm -hmm. and there might be somebody out there listening to this who goes well then you're a sheep i don't believe so i believe i believe that like just like i would trust think about like i don't know i i just think about like How many times, this is going to sound like such an interesting comparison, but I've seen it a lot lately. So Nebraska is struggling in football. And how many people people have I seen that are now railing on local media? Mm. They're like, the local media knows nothing. Y'all haven't played football. You aren't coaches. Neither have you. Well, (laughs) what's interesting, though, is they use this argument in this case of, you don't know what you're talking about here because you haven't played. Now, I Mm. will say to a degree, I... I understand. And I agree with you. I can't, that is why we ask questions because I can't speak to the decision-making that Scott Frost has. I can't Mm -hmm. speak to his play calling. I I don't know. I'm not in the room where he schemes and he decides and I'm not on the headset when he makes decisions. So no, you're right. I have to trust him that he knows what he's doing here Mm -hmm. now, whether or not that, that how he, 
calls plays and does all that actually works out is a separate issue. But I'm just saying, I get what you're saying when you say you're not the coach, you haven't coached. Okay. Mm. All right. But why are we willing to use that argument there? But then when I'm like, Hey, maybe we should also listen to a scientist. It's like, no, I got to do my research. Well, and I was going to, I guess it's not really a challenge for this week, but um, I mean, I wonder how, how beneficial a conversation, the way that the WNBA presented it, if you were given a safe space to ask all the questions that you want to ask, but don't want to appear like you're concerned or wanting to ask questions, if you had a safe space to go and ask the questions that you're concerned about with an expert that actually does know what they're talking about, if that would be beneficial for a lot of people that are against this or, or calling people who are going to get it cheap or, you know, if you had a safe space to go and ask all the questions that you want or the concern or talk about the concerns that you have regarding a vaccine that was fast tracked because people were dying. Um, if that would help at least at the very least give you an educated approach in that safe space. Like I love that they said, the reason that we created this and approached it this way was so that people would be confident and basically educated in whatever decision they made. You'd have mm -hmm. the confidence one way or the other. And then sometimes I think when, you know, people are like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to a scientist. They have an agenda. Okay. So, well, yeah. The agenda is to keep people safe. That's how science works. Um, yeah. But it's, if you had a safe space to ask those questions or voice those concerns without feeling like you were judged because you may be just trying to educate yourself, if it, you don't have to be embarrassed for trying to educate yourself. If something no. is concerning to you, you should have a safe space to go to to ask the questions that are concerning to you. And that's kind of goes back to like what I was saying about for me personally, when I think about like, how can I be better? Like the reality is that like, I'm not an expert. So how do we create like how, so for many people, so if you're listening to this and you're like, I would like somebody to speak to you, I'm going to just give you a little insider tip right now. Um, the Nebraska medical center is basically like fully open to talking with people. They have, they have said that on Twitter many times I've watched them that if you have questions, please reach out to them. Like they would be happy to talk with you. They'd be happy to offer you a space. And I bless them because yeah. they are so kind in their responses they're so um they're not judgmental at all i really mean that like they're they're really just like here let us provide information and facts and like we'll, we'll tell you like data does or does not support that and they'll they'll walk you through things um take them up on that if you are mm -hmm. somebody who is like i would just love to know more i'd love to sit in a space with somebody who is an expert in this field and for the record they are an expert in this field it feels like 10 million years ago at this point but at the beginning of this pandemic they were one of the first hospitals or medical systems to take on take on patients they had them at the ashland out in ashland to basically like try to help treat understand they are they are infectious disease experts. So when we talk about who can we reach out to, whether or not you live in Nebraska, you have a resource line to somebody like Nebraska Medical Center who want to help you understand, who wants to They're not going to collect questions. your information either. They're, you, you can call them anonymously and you don't have to like, if you're embarrassed that you want to do some research of your own, first of all, I know words are just words sometimes, but don't feel embarrassed for that. Um, but two, like, 
you don't need to provide them any, any information. They're literally there as a resource to answer these kinds of questions. That's, that's what they're providing. And they want to answer those questions. Like that's the thing is like, they want to be a resource. They want to be, they want to help. And so like, that's been part for me is like when, you know, we're talking about Nebraska athletics, I'm like, utilize UNMC, like utilize Mm. the people who are experts, like utilize their knowledge. And you don't have to do this publicly. You absolutely do not. You don't need to, you can just say to people, yep, we're, we're, you know, educating and that's it. Like, that's fine. Um, with that said, and I think we can, we can kind of end here because it's important. Um, HIPAA is, HIPAA is completely misunderstood. Yeah, um, it is. Just so y'all know, if there's any confusion on this, if you see a member of the media asking a coach or a player about their vaccination status, um, somebody should probably actually let Nick Rolovich at Washington state know this, um, being asked in, being asked that information is not a violation of your HIPAA. It's nope. not a violation of HIPAA. Um, it's also um, not a violation if you give that information away personally. What HIPAA does is it allow it basically gives you f- the protection from your healthcare provider or your doctor giving that information away. Right. Now, if I went and called your doctor and said, and "Hey," asked- can you tell me if Sasha is vaccinated and that doctor gave me information? That would be a HIPAA HIPAA violation. violation. (laughs) It is not a HIPAA violation. If I ask Sasha directly and she tells me or tells me, no, like none of that is like, that's not, yeah. Honestly, basically like HIPAA. So when I was in college, okay. Just for my background, in case people don't know this, because I forget that that was forever ago. (laughs) Um, But when I, the first time I went to college, I went for nuclear medicine. Um, and, (laughs) and that like HIPAA was just like being formed and like the, you know, the idiosyncrasy, idiosyncrasies of it were being worked out, but HIPAA was created around that time. I was working in a hospital. We had to have extensive training on it. Basically HIPAA is there to protect, protect patients from doctors or any medical professional who is it encounters you or has access to your records from telling anybody the information of the services provided to you mm-hmm. period. <laughs> like that's, period. that's what it is. And if you, I can't, I'm obviously not in the medical field anymore, but if you have questions, that information is readily accessible to you. You can literally, I'm pretty sure go to, I think it's HIPAA.org and it has all the information on how this works there. I'll look yeah. it up right now. <laughs> It's, it also people spell HIPAA incorrectly, which tells yeah. me that they don't know what uh, actual HIPAA, it's H-I-P-A-A, A-A. two A's, um, there's not two P's, there's not two I's, it's, I've seen everything, it's H-I-P-A-A. Um, it's hhs.gov, by the way, sorry. Perfect, yeah, I mean, it, this is just, and this is where I kind of go back to with like, if you're like, why does this relate to sports? Well, obviously the WNBA is an example and the mm-hmm. NBA is concerning. Um, but athletes have platforms. We all have platforms. You talked about that on this show before. We all have a platform. But athletes especially have a platform where they're given media. They have a lot of followers on social. social and they have the power to influence people. And it's concerning to me when I see people with a lot of... Um, a lot of influence, uh, sharing misinformation. And Mm -hmm. it's not about a difference in beliefs. I really mean that y'all, like we have difference in beliefs, like there are differences in beliefs, but like, this is something where it's, it's, 
it's spreading sincere misinformation. And that's concerning because there are people out there that are fans of these, these athletes who are going to look at this and go, they have just legitimized this line of thinking for me. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's concerning because you've now made it more difficult for somebody to get maybe the information that they need to get. And so again, I know that like, I can certainly be better. Like I, I've, I can sometimes be very, very aggressive in my, my thinking. And like, I, I don't know how to put that, but I, I can be, I'm very, very straightforward with mm-hmm. like my thoughts and I could be better um, in like how I approach some things, but I just, I, I want to try to use the influence and platform that I have responsibly. And um, part of that is acknowledging that I don't know everything. So I'm going to lean on the experts. I'm going to lean on the people who know what they're talking about. I'm not going to go seek out some random website that like has a questionable URL to back up a belief that like, I just, I don't know. I don't really know how to end this. I just think, I just think that like, we need to listen to women more. Uh, The WNBA is leading. Um, I think the WNBA should be given a lot more credit for a lot of things. Um, But like, seriously, like listen to the WNBA, listen to women, like look at how other people are leading and take a, take a note, like like, take, take a page out of that book. And because this is not going to help anyone if we keep having people like Bradley Beal sit in press conferences and sit in front of microphones and ask questions that shouldn't be asked in that environment. Those are questions that need to be asked in an environment with experts. Yeah. I, I, that's the one thing it's almost, in a way to me, it's kind of sad um, that, I mean, if you've got players consistently asking those questions in any sports league, why aren't you, why aren't you as the league providing them with the information to get them answers to the questions that they're asking? They shouldn't be, in my opinion, asking those questions to reporters in a press conference, like you were saying, like there should be readily available information to those players in those leagues to mm-hmm. that information. It should be access and granted, I know that, you know, like you and I as, you know, quote unquote, normal people have to work a little bit harder to get those answers sometimes from those, you know, from the right, correct places, like, you know, you know, a UNMC. However, if you're a paid athlete, I feel like that, that should be provided to you from the league. Um, And the fact that it sounds like it's not, if these questions are being asked in a press Mm -hmm. conference is kind of sad to me. And honestly, it's what I expected from like Roger Goodell in the NFL because they tend to botch things, but I've expected better of the NBA. I've always been, I've always admired the NBA's commissioner and how the Mm -hmm. NBA had previously handled things. So this has been, I mean, the NBA was one of the first to decide to go into a bubble. So you would have thought that they would have continued to kind of lead. I don't know what's happened, but it's disappointing. So hopefully the WNBA can look to its, its, look to its, counterparts in the WNBA as an example and a leader and a leader in this space, because they absolutely are. And you have the example right there. Stop, mm-hmm. stop making it harder on yourself. Agreed. Um, well, before we get you out of here for the week, um, I was going to bring this up, but we'll just, we'll, we'll give you an assignment to read this and then we'll talk about it next week. Um, Simone Biles was actually just profiled in, um, 
the, in New York magazine, it's a great story. It's on how she chose herself. And the quote that kind of is like the leading the way is I should have quit way before Tokyo. This conversation needs to be had much more deeply than what we have in just a couple of minutes. So, Hey, go read this. I'll link it in the like show notes at hillvarsity.com. Great story on Simone. We can talk about it next week. We can, we can view it as like assignment reading and we can come back and we can all have a moment to appreciate Simone Biles even more than we already do because she is the queen. She is the goat. Take your drinks. Bless Simone Biles. <laughs> Absolutely. But shoot us an email, mind your own podcast at hillvarsity.com. I'm at Aaron Sorensen. She's at Sasha 72 on Twitter. Um, you know, these are tough conversations to have sometimes because, you know, when you speak publicly about things, you give uh, people an opportunity to come and uh, be critical of that. And that's OK. Um, we have to have tough conversations. Uh, sports move these conversations along. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. Just s- stop Googling things and looking up suspicious websites. Go contact yeah. Nebraska Medical Center if you have questions. They'll help. DuckDuckGo.com is not a reliable source of information. <laughs> Just putting that out there. <laughs> if it looks like whatever a home, it is. if it looks like a Homestar Runner, uh, like type of like URL, it's probably not something. Although Homestar Runner is great, but I'm yes. just saying, if it looks like something strong bad is looking up on the internet, probably not legitimate. <laughs> Amen. Just saying. All right. Well, we will be back next week with another episode. Like I said, go read that Simone Biles article. It's it's wonderful. We'll we'll talk about it next week, so you have something to look forward to. And until then. Yeah. Take it easy. Be kind to yourself. Communication. Go look up your astrology. Yeah. (laughs) We'll talk to you later. (laughs) Bye. A Huda Media Production.